are things going? I hope well. Hope the system finds you doing well. Hope all is well in your life. For you alcoholics and addicts and your family, you know, I'm a big believer in families, uh, probably because that's where uh, I did the most damage, but also where I got the most forgiveness. All right. Listen, before we get started, uh, um, if you find that you're getting anything out of these sessions, please click on that support button. Anything that you're willing to contribute can help me keep my equipment up to speed because uh, sometimes this stuff gets glitchy for sure. And don't forget to click on that message button too if you want to share some comments or get involved in a conversation with me. Uh, I'm more than willing to share any more of my experience, strength, and hope. Um, and share some insight on some of those types of things. So I mentioned that I would be talking uh, a lot about things, and I mentioned that I'd be discussing some terms and definitions, right? So we're going to be kind of doing that in this session as well. In this session, I'll be talking about and reviewing out of the uh, um, Living in Balance curriculum that I mentioned uh, that I use an actual uh, treatment in some of the groups that I do. We'll be talking about tolerance, reverse tolerance, and of course, cross tolerance. I know that you're thinking, what on earth does all of that mean? Well, one example of tolerance, and this is about me, okay, and it's a little extreme, but it's an example nonetheless. All right. There was a time when I could drink almost a whole case of beer, 24, right? A whole case of beer during one football game. Yeah, during one football game from kickoff to time run out. I promise you this is not healthy for anyone, especially a type 2 diabetic like me. There were times when I just did not really take care of myself. Of course, there was a time when I had these medical issues and really weren't aware that they were medical issues, right? I didn't realize that after, you know, 10, 12, 14 beers, like, man, I could go to the bathroom every 10 minutes. Well, I didn't know that it was a blood sugar thing. I'm dumping sugar, just absolutely crazy, right? And plus, uh, let's see, when I was 30 years old, I had a couple of strokes, um, so those kinds of things uh, uh, help remind you that you're not as as uh, uh, um, tough as you think you might be, right? When all those medical things come about, and I had already been not drinking at 38 years old. Uh, I was 32 when I quit, so yeah, it's been several years, um, and those things happen anyway, so you don't know the delayed reaction uh, and some of the medical things that can occur from a decade plus, you know, of heavy drinking or heavy drugging um, in your life. Um, so there go reasons for the tolerance, right? Not a good thing for people with uh, medical issues. Not good for anyone, actually, but if you've got medical issues, that tends to uh, complicate things. That is for sure. So, let's get started. A couple of questions first uh, regarding uh, tolerance. Have you noticed that the same amount of drug began to have less effect? 
That's for you alcoholics and addicts. Have you ever noticed that those things take a little bit more? Case of beer drinking in a football game, I promise you that that kind of thing did not start early on. Like when I first started drinking, there was no way, no way that I would drink that much in a sitting, right? A case drinking. That it, it didn't start that way, right? It takes time to build up that kind of tolerance. Although most of my family didn't drink like that, anyway, some think we need to drink for every occasion. That seems to be your typical Hispanic mentality, I guess. I don't know. Um, if I'm wrong, I'm sure someone can, can let me know. This is, you know, stuff that's just based on on my experience and with my family. And I have a big family um, and a lot of friends. Uh, and so, you know, we tend to feel we need to celebrate every occasion. We're like, dude, why are you drinking? Well, it could be little Johnny's birthday. Never mind that little Johnny's is only turning two, right? But it's the time for family to get together and have either cookouts or whatever. Um, either sometimes they're at the park, right? You have birthdays for the kids of the park, and in in most Hispanic cases, um, there are beer cases too, right? Okay, so let's talk about tolerance. It's just kind of one of those things. Here it is out of the Living in Balance uh, curriculum. If a person develops physical dependence to alcohol or other drugs and continues to use said drug, he or she will likely develop tolerance to the drug. As stated in an earlier session we went over before, tolerance is the process in which the same amount of drug begins to have less effect. Therefore, greater amounts of the drink or drug must be used to reach the same desired effect. So back when, you know, in your earlier days of starting the drinking or the drug in, and you realize it only took half a joint or two beers, right? And you find yourself three months down the road, six months down the road, now you're smoking the whole joint and dang near finishing a whole six pack, right? That's the progression. In an earlier session, right, we talked about this being a progressive disease. This is part of it. That is actually part of it. Excuse me there. Drinking some of that southern sweet tea that I missed while living in Oregon. Boy. Yes, I'm type 2 diabetic, so the sweetness is generic. But nonetheless, it tastes for some reason just as good. Maybe that's, uh, you know, another thing that I might have to look into is my sweet tea. Because that's really, really good. So anyway, tolerance can be a thing. It is a thing. So family members, be aware that as people, by the time you realize you have an addict family member, it may be too late to make any suggestions about just stopping. Because by the time you know, it could have been going on for 
a year to two years plus, right? Because I, I think at first most alcoholics and addicts are pretty good at hiding it, right? They mask it. Um, they talk about going to gatherings uh, where they know there's going to be quite a bit of alcohol served or they know somebody in the in the area is going to have whatever their flavor of drug is, right? Um, so it's easy. It's easy to mask it for a little while. Here's a second question. Have you noticed that you had to increase the amount of drink or drug to get the same effect as before? Uh, think about that one for a minute, alcoholics and addicts. Um, if you can answer yes to this question or the one I asked just a minute ago, there may be an issue. And family members, if you know that they could answer yes to this question, right, then you know that you're probably at least at the point or maybe beyond the point of where there's going to be some professional help needed. Professional help needed because um, tolerance is a crazy thing. Crazy thing. And so then we can look at reverse tolerance. This is pretty tricky. This can be pretty tricky, okay? Reverse tolerance. Let's see here. Let's read it out of the Living in Balance curriculum. Reverse tolerance is also called kindling. Describes a situation in which the body becomes extremely sensitive to a drug. Several events generally occur before this happens. Typically, a chronic user consumes substantial amounts of his or her drug of choice and has an extreme reaction, such as a seizure with convulsions severe or a, a psychiatric episode. I have seen that. I have seen that. A psychiatric er episode you know, such as hearing voices. I remember when I was working at the state hospital, um, I was a little bit nervous because, you know, there's really crazy people there. And I met this gentleman. He was probably in his mid-50s at that time. And, of course, this is uh, quite a few years back, 20 years anyway, uh, 25 years. I met this older gentleman. Um and looking back in his history and his charts and stuff, I found that he was uh, a really, really, really good kid. All-star quarterback, right? Valedictorian of his school. No real history of drinking or drugging to speak of. It didn't sound like there was any at all. Um, he's getting ready for graduation, right? And he's going to this graduation party where all of his friends are and it sounded like it might have been an old school farm party maybe anyway it sounds like he ingested so many things that this guy had this psychiatric right this sort of mental health break in that time frame it's like he got high one day and stayed that way and the best he could do, and I remember, I met him in his mid-50s, so we're talking 18, 19, 20 years old about the time this happened. 
and uh, um, the guy would he could hear you hear voices, uh, very paranoid, right, delusional, and it's just amazing that some people, some people don't even realize their brains will not tolerate it. It's crazy that our brain is made up of a lot of chemicals. And all of these chemicals have a job to do. And we're ingesting these chemicals that alter all of that. Right? It's just, it's crazy to me now, but I got to agree. I, I mean, I know I was one of those back in the day. Right? Um, it's just now that I'm older, I look back and it's like, and maybe it was the uh, the two strokes that really caused me to recognize that brain activity and brain chemistry is no joke. If you're hearing me, alcoholics and addicts, put it down. Get help. Brain functioning and brain chemistry is no joke. Now, another thing we're going to talk about um, that's pretty intriguing is called cop cross-tolerance. Cross-tolerance, this is what it says. A person's favorite drug of choice is called their primary drug of choice, right? Some people use only a primary drug, for example, only alcohol. Uh, that uh, does not hold, well, it's, it's not as true as it maybe once was. Um, in 15 years of uh, working in addiction, um, I've met very few alcoholics that don't use anything else. Even if it's something as, uh, I can't minimize it, but as minimal as uh, uh, marijuana, comparatively, right, to all the other junk that's out there. Um, but I don't know too many people um, that use just one thing. Um, it's kind of tough out there. In contrast, many people use a secondary drug, right, uh, such as alcohol with cocaine, right? Done that a time or two. Um, it's just one of those things. Uh, it's it's kind of crazy. Some people use their secondary drug in addition to or as a substitute for their primary drug. I know a lot of people will tell you that since alcohol is um, a depressant, right, um, they don't want to call it a night too prematurely, the party's still going on. They want to be able to hang in there with the pros, right? So um, they hit the cocaine, and then you can drink all night long. You can drink all night long. So, again, some people use their secondary drug in addition to, um, and some as a substitute for their primary drug. Uh, some people use their secondary drug when they're when they can't obtain their primary drug is kind of crazy. Um, saw this in MAT treatment. A lot of our opiate or heroin addicts um, were also using methamphetamine. They know that one of them is a big, big knock you down, suppressant type drug, um, and the other one will tend to, their hopes are it will balance them out. Um, but as we talked about in the last session, the combination of those two are very, very dangerous. Uh, really causes some chaos within the body. If the secondary drug has 
about the same drug effect as the primary drug. Using one drug can stop withdrawal symptoms. I've seen that happen too, right, with uh, pain medications uh, and heroin. Um, they can stop withdrawal symptoms from occurring if the other drug is cut down or stopped. Um, that's what we did with uh, Suboxone and Methadone. Um, use those two drugs to uh, recreate some balance, right? Uh, and then you get to a certain point that could be year, two years, five years, depending on the person. Um, and then you do this slow titration off of one of whichever medication that they're using. But even in that case, um, withdrawal is not always completely avoided. Um, even when they come off, that's why there is the slow titration down off of the methadone or suboxone um, so that when you do get down to the end and drop off, uh, withdrawal is pretty minimal. Um, based on what I heard from former clients, that it would be um, fairly minimal for most. When the primary and secondary drugs have very similar drug effects, they are called cross-tolerance. For example, alcohol and volume, there we go. Those are two very dangerous ones, but they're two that are used together quite often. Alcohol and volume have very similar effects and are cross-tolerant. Therefore, if a person has tolerance to alcohol, he or she also has tolerance, could have a high tolerance to volume as well. I know, isn't it just crazy? It is just crazy, um, but it, it's, it's a real deal. When people stop taking their primary drug, they often increase their secondary drug um, in the mistaken belief that they're, uh, they are controlling their drug use. I've seen that happen. I've seen that happen. Uh, people will start using something else and say, well, at least I'm not using that. Uh, unfortunately, I also did see in MAT treatment um, people who started buying methadone with the misconception of what it's supposed to do, uh, it seemed, uh, start using methadone to get off of, and they're buying it off the street, to get off heroin or other pain pills, right? Pain pills and heroin, you know, opiates, opioids, but end up abusing the methadone as well uh, because their addict brain seems to justify um, the need uh, and it's like well if I'm craving then I should up my dose mm. that's not always true uh, that can always be the case um, you have to be leery of what the addict brain is trying to drive you to do always always question um, yourself right a person using alcohol as a primary drug and marijuana as a secondary drug that happens too. I've seen that happen. Perhaps he or she feels guilty about his or her alcohol use and decides to quit, but believes that marijuana has not been a problem. It hasn't been a problem because it hasn't had the opportunity to when alcohol is the original primary drug of choice. Right? And all you're doing is putting something in its place, and it too will eventually become an issue. If this person only stops drinking alcohol 
and continues to smoke marijuana, it is extremely likely that marijuana uh, use will increase, or two, marijuana use will get out of hand, and number three, alcohol use will start again. At some point, it's very likely to happen. In this cycle, marijuana, which is partially cross-tolerant to alcohol, was increased when alcohol use decreased. One goes down, the other goes up, right? It is likely that once the person started drinking again, his or her marijuana use would decrease. So cross-tolerance is another is another thing, right? Some people don't, I guess, expect for that kind of thing to happen. People out, unless you're in treatment somewhere, you don't hear of these sorts of terms. They're not just things that out in the world people people just generally talk about. Ryan, I've always had this theory that um, if everybody went through some sort of counseling education courses, right, like those to become an addictions counselor or um, social worker, so to speak, I think this country would be full of a lot better people, be full of a lot better people. I see things differently. I know other counselors have shared their experience on how they see things differently, right? Um People think it's very odd that my wife and I, we don't argue. We don't argue. Because um, I feel like that when she left me years ago, um, remember, we came back together seven months later. There's nothing else in the world to me, excluding our, our kids. Obviously, they're important too. But my relationship with her, there's... There's nothing else more important than that. Everything else is just background noise. Background noise. So if something comes up where we're, we can see that we might disagree on something, I just sort of go with the flow. Um, because at the end of the day, I know it's not going to matter to me as much as, as having her around us. So it's just one of those life experiences that you don't notice unless things are pointed out to you like these terms some of these definitions unless you go into addiction treatment um, or some sort of therapy with you know a social worker um, or psychiatrist that type there are terms and conditions that are taught to these people that general public wouldn't know Pick some random person off the street and ask them if they know what cross-tolerance is, right? They're not going to know. Now, if you go into a room of alcoholics and addicts at one of their meetings and ask one of them if they were paying attention, right? Um, if they were soaking it all up and paying attention, somebody in there is going to know what tolerance, reverse tolerance, and cross-tolerance means. They'll know. It just comes with that sort of thing, right? So the question again was, have you ever had an experience in which a small amount of a drug caused the kind of effect, especially a negative experience, right? Because that can happen too. Sometimes it just goes backwards, right? P. 
people, it, well, let's go with this, but when the person starts using the drug, even in small or moderate doses, the individual may experience the same extreme reaction as experienced with a very high dose, right? That can happen too with uh, cross-tolerance. Um, when they go back to their other drug of choice, right? Here's uh, an example. A man had a three-year-old, a three-year cocaine habit in which he smoked large doses of crack. During a binge, he smoked a great deal, which resulted in a psychiatric break with reality. He heard voices, saw hallucinations that lasted for a few hours. During that episode, he became very agitated and violent. This is where I wish that some police officers would get um, a little more educated on mental health, um, right? I mean, shout out to our officers. I know they catch a lot of heat these days, uh, but I have several cop friends that I just adore. These guys um, put their life on the line every day for all of us, for me, and I'm greatly appreciative. Uh, and I, I think that they too would also, you know, over the last decade would say that there has been minimal uh, mental health education um, or high drug use education that would bring on symptoms of, of a psychic break, kind of like this example is giving. Uh, but maybe they could use some more education. I don't know. I don't know what the right answer is. Um, let's see. Then he stopped using cocaine for three months. One day he decided to get high, and he snorted five lines. In reaction to this relatively small amount, probably compared to what he was used to using prior to the three months, uh, relatively small amount, he experienced the same type of violent psychotic break. So it didn't take much, right, to revert back to that. It didn't take much. So be careful. I hope these terms and conditions, um, families, I hope they helped you, give you a little bit of insight um, on what um, your family addict or alcoholic is going through, right? Tolerance is a real deal. Um, sometimes I tell people that although that on, on a chemical level, you're becoming more and more tolerant on a physical level. Your body is not. We all know what cirrhosis of the liver is, right? We all know what that is. And this may be a guy who drank a case a day for, who knows, a decade, right? And even though from a chemical level, his tolerance was very high. From a physical level, what his body could tolerate doesn't go up. It doesn't go up. Um, and of course, you know, drinking a whole lot of alcohol like that is basically like pruning your insides. Um, so alcohol is not good, right? Alcohol is not good. It's very difficult for people to understand some of those tolerances and the difference in the cross tolerance and reverse tolerance. Um, again, don't hesitate to shoot me a message if you have questions. Uh, and again, by the time, family members, by the time that you're able to see that your family member is in grave danger, right? Because what it could be, it could be that you don't even know that your family member is has an addiction issue until you 
are made aware of this psychotic break or are around when it happens, right? Maybe you're the one that's around and finds them. That would be very scary, um, very scary, especially if you don't know um, what their drug history has been, right? Um, it can just come on you in a rush, and then you just kind of get lost in it and don't know what to do. Um, addict, addicts, alcoholics, please don't put your family members in those situations. It's not good. It's not good. Um, that is very, very scary when it comes to watching someone you don't really know. Uh, of course, that could be some of the denial we talked about before. Denial does crazy things, right? Uh, you start to see through these rose-colored glasses, right? Um, and then when you're slapped in the face with an overdose or a psychotic break, um, then it becomes very scary, very real, and very scary. Um, so alcoholics, addicts, please be mindful of the family and what they're doing and thinking. And family members, I hope this session helps you too. Yeah? For now, until next time, we'll see you soon. Bye now.